This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bite, hosted by superfan and actual know-it-all Kyle Armstrong on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bite Podcast on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. Man, I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving this past week. I know I did. I uh, hauled my four-wheeler up to West Virginia and rode for about three days and had a lot of fun. Really enjoy getting to go do that. It's a rare opportunity these days, as busy as we stayed, and uh, we really, really did enjoy getting to do that. But today we've got a pretty special guest on the show, Brandon Overton. He's pretty well accomplished this year. He's done a lot, and you know we're going to talk to him and catch up with him and you know, hopefully go back in his career and get where he started and talk about the good old days and the days to come with him. But this week we had a, we had a couple of races. We had a race up at 411 Speedway in Seymour, Tennessee, where Jimmy Owens picked up to win $5,000 in that thing. They had quite a, quite a big car count. Jimmy Owens started second in that thing and Corey Hedgecock was on the pole and Jimmy kind of stalked him and got in there and took the lead on about lap 17 and once he took the lead man he took off i mean he almost lapped the field well he lapped up to seventh actually so i mean it was a dominant performance by jimmy owens put a put a uh, exclamation point on his season if you will and my buddy nick hoffman we had him on the show on week two and he uh picked up the modified portion on that event out there at 411 cochran georgia this weekend had a race they uh it was a two-day show they uh, got all the heat races and everything in on Friday, and then Saturday it rained it out. Uh, Brandon Overton was actually going to start toward the front of that thing. It paid 20000 to win, and unfortunately it got rained out and postponed, so they're going to have that at another date. So stay tuned to see when that's going to be. I'm not even sure yet. And if you've been paying any attention to Twitter, I'm sure you've seen Eldora Speedway hinting at this, you know, with their with their memes and stuff, and maybe it's already been announced by the time we – air this but i it's pretty much looking like we're going to have a double dream and a double world 100 in 2021 very interesting i, they, I know they just announced last week that they're going to have a double king's royal paying 175,000 to win a piece and that's huge so i can only imagine that you know they're getting ready to probably announce that they're going to have a double dream a double world with not getting the race this past year to have those races so very interesting. I mean, you know, I look forward to seeing that announcement and when the when those dates are going to be and let my employer know that I'm going to be headed up there those days for sure. Don't want to miss that. So looking forward to seeing what that is. But this coming weekend, I think I'm going to head up to Volunteer Speedway for the Grinch 40 Extreme Dirt Car Series, 5,000 to win. Should be a pretty good show. I talked to Kyle Strickler earlier today and he said he was going to be up there. Uh, so there's should be a pretty good bit of cars up there. They're running like nine divisions, so it'll be a full day of racing. You get a lot of action up there. It's a good day race, so if you get a chance to go out there and check that out. I got Brandon Overton here on the line. What's going on today, Brandon? We're doing pretty good, trying to stay warm. I hear you, man. It done got pretty cold down there where you're at. Yeah, it went from uh, probably 85 to 50 now, so... Uh... I guess it ain't probably ain't cold to a lot of people, but it is us. Well, uh, the way that wind blows, it makes it kind of cold, don't it? You know. That's right. Yeah, I was I was looking into uh, you know, talking to you, doing a little bit of research, and 
I to- completely forgot that you were the 2015 World of Outlaw Rookie of the Year. And at that time, you know, that was a big deal for you. And and now it seems like everything you've done in the last couple of years sort of overshadowed that. Yeah, we've, uh, you know, especially this year, we've had, you know, a heck of a year. Um, not many years go by that you that you win the races that we have. And, uh, you know, I guess it, it, it does. It kind of makes you forget where you come, not where you come from, but what you've done in the past, you know, to, to build, to build you up to all this. So, uh, you know, like I told them guys last week, if, if we don't win another race to end the year, we've won our fair share this year and, and we'll regroup after this weekend and, and get ready to go again. Yeah. I would definitely say you've had a better year so far this year. I mean, you've ran 81 races had 26 wins, 52 top fives and 59 top tens. And I don't know if that even seems I mean, that seems like it'd be impossible to a lot of guys for sure, especially in a year where all the shutdowns and all that. And, you know, whenever the shutdowns happened and, and we went back racing, you were out there ready to go and you won two in that first weekend when we got back going back in May. Yeah, we, uh, we just sat down and, and thought about, you know, uh, I'd probably driven for David and Eric probably, I guess, six or seven races before, before all of it happened. And, just sat down and anything that I didn't like or didn't like how things was going, we changed it and um, put, our, put our heads back together. And like I said, when we busted off in Brunswick, we were really good. Um, just kind of carried over week to week. We just kept our head down and, um, you know, kept trying to make things better. And it's all worked out for us. Oh, it definitely has, man. You guys have been dialed in. And, you know, you talk about going to Brunswick and then you went to uh, East Bay and you ran pretty decent down there at East Bay all week and then left there and went up to Screven and won both of those shows and actually probably made more money doing that than you would have staying in East Bay. Um, and also I looked at it and, and uh, you're undefeated this year at Screven. So yeah, must really I, like that place. <laughs> I do. I, that's actually the first place I drove a super late model at. Um, I bet I raced go-karts on it before, before it was the car track. Same pretty much when I first got in a car, it was pretty much the same go-kart track that I had raced on. Yeah. Uh, it's way bigger. It's way bigger now than it was then. So, uh, yeah, I, every time he tries to have a race, I try to go over there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's always got the good concession stand, too, don't he? He does, definitely. You're going you gonna to need good. He's a he's a good guy, man. He, uh, like I said, I've known him since I was six. So, uh, just I, ever since I can remember, I've been over there, been around him, and I still talk to him all the time. Uh, he's just a good dude. Oh, heck yeah. Well, you know, you're from Evans, Georgia, and earlier this year, you ran that Ed Basie tribute car, and Ed Basie's from Evans, Georgia, and I mean, he is a, really a legend in this sport. I grew up watching him race a whole lot, and, you know, that was neat that you did that. I don't think a lot of people really realize who Ed Basie is and what he meant to the sport, and, I mean, he was he was right there running every week back in those days, and, uh, you know, he's a, he was a big deal in our area for sure. Yeah, his, uh, his nephew is actually who – when I first got a late model, Edward's nephew is who come with me and kind of taught us, you know, this is what you do. Taught us the ropes, showed us how to mount the tires, just simple stuff. You know, he was, I guess, my crew chief my first couple of years I was racing. So uh, I've known him ever since I was started watching cars. You know, I watched, I grew up watching him and, uh, you know, it was just pretty cool. He, he asked me about a week before Eldora if I'd do it. You know, I was tickled to death. Uh, he is a, he's a big deal around here for sure. And, and he's done a lot. So it's pretty neat. Yeah, I think it would be an honor to carry his colors for sure, and that was a neat tribute. And the T-shirts and all that you guys did looked good too for that. Yeah, I uh, when when he sent it to me, I was thinking the whole time uh, he said, "I'm gonna send you the scheme I want to do," and I was thinking 
you know, white and blue with the number four right. on it. And then when he when he sent me that, I was like, damn, I've never even seen this. Uh, so it's it's cool. Uh, yeah, we got some shirts made, and and uh, like I said, the, the whole family and everybody, uh, you know, they seen it, and thought it was cool. So I just glad they chose me to do it. Yeah, one of my favorite videos to go watch is that video of Ed Basie going over the wall at Cherokee Speedway back in the day uh, in qualifying. And, and that got me thinking just yesterday while I was kind of compiling some notes and everything, one of my first memories of you racing was at Cherokee Speedway in a 2006 Blue-Gray 100, and that was whenever it was still the big track. And That's right, yeah. In a, uh, a B-Main, and you went over the wall out in turn one, so... That's that's right. Yeah, I think he flew out in three and four. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we just we just did the opposite ends, but yeah, uh, not not one of my favorite memories, but yeah, we did it. No, but I, I know I know it's probably not one of your favorite memories, but I had to bring it up because really that was uh, maybe one of the earliest memories I had of you racing, and at that time you were driving Jack Sturette's car. Yeah, um, hell, I, sometimes I feel like everybody forgets that I drove. You know, I drove yeah. for him. Um, hell, I drove for him probably two years when I was 15, 16, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure, like I said, there's a lot of people probably miss him these days. You know, I still think about him all the time, too. I see his truck, dump trucks and stuff running around town every day. So, uh, you know, just like I said, just glad that I was one of the guys that, that got to drive his car, too. Yeah, definitely. I, I tell you what, I, I get a little smile or a chuckle every now and then whenever I think of Jack. He always had some quirky comments and some funny things that he would say and man he was a really good guy i, I really do miss him for sure yeah um probably a lot of people don't know either you, you ever seen the the dog that uh jimmy cushman carries around with him yep that was jack's dog oh really i didn't realize yeah. that yeah nobody does uh yeah he uh when jack passed away roger gave cushman and them that dog hell they still got it yeah, Jack was famous for carrying that dog around. You know, Allison Williams, she took a good picture of Jack with that dog on the four-wheeler, and that's really one of the most famous pictures you'll ever really see of Jack Sturrett. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah, that was that was cool. But, you know, since then, you've come a long way for sure, and you've won a lot of big races, and especially this year. But, you know, I want to go back to a couple of years ago whenever you drove for uh, Randy Weaver. And, you know, that was really, well, actually, even before that, you had that year where you won the 2015 Woo Rookie of the Year. And, you know, then you didn't really win a race that year. But the next year, you won that race at Lernerville. And that was sort of your breakout big win there at the time. And Yeah, I kind of I kind of raced backward. Like, before yeah. I got good at home, I, uh, I, hell, we probably raced, I don't know, a couple months. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to run more outlaws. So we did it you know, not being ready, but, and, and probably more people have told me that like, man, you should just stay around the house and just get your feet wet before you go do that. But at the end of the day, I'm kind of glad that I did it. Cause I feel like it, it sped me up a lot more, uh, you know, to, to gain the knowledge to go to the different tracks to see the, see what racing, you know, is all about away from the Carolinas and Georgia, you know? So, uh, I did a little backward, but like I said, at the end of the day, I think I, I probably did it the right way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was a pretty cool accomplishment at the time. And then you then you drove for Randy Weaver a little bit, and you had Vinny Giuliani there as the crew chief. And, man, Vinny sure has done a lot here recently, hasn't he? Yeah, Vinny, uh, Vinny's, Vinny's a good dude, man. He's, I said, he uh, he helped me at Weaver's, and we had a good team at Weaver's. Um, Josh and Pearl, hell, everybody. We used to say it all the time, every, everybody at that team has a job, and we all do it, you know, so uh, – pretty much that's what i've tried to do ever since i've left just 
just build me a team just like that and uh you know hope hope it hopefully it'll be successful oh yeah that was a heck of a dream team that's for sure and that's you know i mean that was that was a pretty cool year honestly for you at that time but well i was wanting to ask you too you had that budweiser sponsorship back in those days too and i just wonder i mean it was like dale jr like they quit sponsoring dale jr and went to brandon overton at that time and i just wonder if you know that how that came about he's uh hell i still talk to him every day doug yeah. barnador he's actually helping my little brother now yeah i've seen um him. yep he uh just family friends just hang out and, and and he's actually from lancaster south carolina uh i try to go over there and race every time they race too just kind of for him because he always wanted me to win a race over there in his car and and i didn't get to go over there that much because we we ran outlaws and stuff so uh it's pretty neat to go over there he, he gets tickled to death when i went over there so um you know, like I said, I could, I wouldn't be where I'm at today uh, if it wasn't for him, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you always had that good looking Budweiser rig rolling down the road. I mean, you represented the brand well. I'm sure. I'm sure you probably partaked in their products a little bit too. I guess. That's right. He. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the. I remember when he told me. He said, uh, "Bring that thing over here. We're gonna put some Budweiser decals on it." Hell, we got it back. It like a beer box. <laughs> yeah. Way more than what I thought, but yeah, um, I still talk to them all the time, and uh, they keep up with me every weekend. And like I said, I if it wasn't for him and Kathy, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't, definitely wouldn't be where I'm at. Oh, that's for sure. Another sponsor there, I was going to ask you about that CrossFit Overton. What? Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, that's Lauren and Lee Crowder. Uh, they're everybody thinks it's me. It's not me. They're not kin to me. That's what I always <laughs> assumed. Yeah. Yeah, everybody everybody thinks that. Uh, no, it's just a CrossFit gym in Livingston, Tennessee. Um, I met him when I drove for Weaver, and and we just stayed in touch, and you know, become friends with him. And and he always uh, anything I'm doing, he tries to be a part of, and we appreciate them too. Yeah, that's cool. And they were on Bloomquist's car too. There, I, I could just imagine seeing Bloomquist do, trying to do CrossFit. You know, <laughs> him you, jumping you up would, on a tractor would, tire. You would imagine the people. You know, like. Uh, I forgot one of what we were doing. I we were at a Lucas race somewhere, and they had the autograph session, and that's what this lady Ash said. So y'all both do CrossFit? <laughs> I don't think Scotty. I don't even think Scott knew what the hell she was talking about. But uh, anyway, yeah, I get it all the time. Do I own it, or is it my family? You know, it's not just uh, hell. They they're becoming family. I, I I talk to them, you know, once or twice a week, and uh, like I said, it's it's been a cool deal. Well, maybe if everybody listens to this, that'll put that question to bed, huh? That's right. <laughs> Well, man, just last weekend, well, this past weekend, you were down at Cochrane, but we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. But, you know, well, we'll go ahead and talk about it now. I mean, you went down there and you had a – I talked to you on Wednesday and you were parking the rig and you were you guys practiced on Thursday and then you heat raced and all that on Friday and then you were going to start up front and then it rained it out on Saturday. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I kind of wanted to hurry up and get it done, but, you know, uh, if we would have raced it, probably wouldn't have been good for anybody the track was really wet and it never really stopped raining the sun never come out so it, it wouldn't have been good for anybody to run so uh, but i hated it you know we we went out dead last to qualify missed overall fast time you know barely and and won our heat race and was sitting pretty just uh you know just didn't get it all done yeah i mean you uh yeah that's kind of a bummer especially whenever it was paying 20 grand to win and you were sitting pretty you know looking like you're gonna cash another big check so, but yeah, the last week or the week before that, uh, you won the blue gray 100, man. And you, uh, I mean, it was absolutely a genius call. I felt like to pull in and pit on lap 60. I was telling some guys around me that, 
you know, they were all like, man, what's he doing? I said, oh, he's going to look like a genius here in a little bit at the end of this race. And sure enough, man, that was probably one of the smartest calls. I've seen somebody, you know, pull from the cockpit of a car like that for sure. Yeah, well, it. Uh, I knew I knew probably lap 30 or 40, probably I think it was 40 maybe. I had already kind of started getting a little loose in, and I said, man, we're, we're hurting these tires. As slow as we're going trying to save them, it's still the, the place is just abrasive now. And uh, mm-hmm. I knew, I, I said, man, you don't, I mean, it, it don't matter if you lead lap 99. If you don't lead lap 100, you don't get no money. So uh, I just said, hell with it. I'm, a, I'm in third or. You know, I was going back and forth with Matt on a restart, and I said, "Hell, I'm gonna start. next next time somebody yells caution, I'm gonna go in and give me some tires." And it did. I, I kind of thought when I got back out there, I was like, "Man, I came way too early because it was still, I think I restarted 16th, still a lot of traffic in front of us, and and I and I rode in 16th for a lot longer. I kind of kept. I knew I needed to be in the bottom, but hell, they were like bumping each other and about to spin out and crash. And I said, "Well, this won't be good. I, I get wiped out, you know, as soon as I get tired." So I stayed kind of out of the way, out of trouble for you know, another 10 laps. And then, then they started blowing. So once I seen them all start blowing, I knew I just had to stay close to, to Benji. Benji was the car in front of me when I, when I pitted. So kind of had a good feeling. He was the one I needed to be racing. Yeah, exactly. Man, that was a good race though. It was interesting. It probably lasted an hour and a half though, with all the guys blowing tires, but I, there was only one car that finished that race on the same tires he started. And that was Johnny personally. And he finished about fifth or sixth, but yeah, I mean that was that was wild for sure. Whenever you passed Chris Madden with just a few to go, a lot of people were jumping up and down. You had a lot of fans up there pulling for you. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, man. So, and then you know you've pretty much you've almost been undefeated at Cherokee Speedway this year. Just about every time you go in there, you clean house. You've won the Mike Duval Memorial two years in a row, and you know you won that race there back in may whenever they didn't have fans and now when they open the gates there's the place is packed so yeah that's one thing about it every time you go over there man he he uh there's always people in the stands you know um i I like going over there every time i go over there we at least this year we've seemed to run pretty good and uh you know i enjoy it so every time they open up we'll try to be over there yeah exactly yeah we'll we'll backtrack here just a minute I, i wanted to mention that the Lucas Oil Series, whenever they went back to East Bay in May, uh, you know, you picked up a couple of wins there. And that was, I thought, I had that highlighted here because I thought that was pretty neat that, you know, you were at East Bay, left there, went to Screven, and then get the opportunity to get to actually come back to East Bay a few months later and, you know, put the put a couple more in the win column. Yeah, we, uh, honestly, I wish I would have got to finish the first night we were there. The first night, I was running second and and me and clinton kind of got into it i got over the cushion a little bit and then knocked the flywheel off of it um so i didn't get to finish that night but we won the next two in a row you know so uh it always kind of lingers around like maybe if i wouldn't have broke me i might have won all three of them but you know it is what it is and uh definitely um looking forward to getting back down there you know i like going to brunswick and i love east bay if if uh you know i hate they're closing it so it's is Every time, like I said, if we can go down there and race, I'm going to try to soak them all in. Coming up more with Brandon Overton. This is Forward Bike on the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Brandon, last year you drove for the Rum Runner Motorsports team with Joey Coulter. I just wanted to ask you how that was. Uh, not bad, not bad. We uh, we won some races and, and, and did pretty good there. Uh, just, I think, uh, you know, 
they race, uh, they've grown up racing, uh, you know, in the NASCAR world and asphalt side of things. And, and I grew up racing dirt, obviously. So, uh, just two different mindsets there of, of how things are supposed to be ran and done, but you know, no hard feelings. Um, I still talk to them all the time. I, I hell I park beside them, you know, about everywhere we go around here, me and Harold and Joe and Joey, we're all still cool. Uh, just like I said, I think it worked out for the best of, for both of us, you know, um, I get to come back home and race and, and I got everything, you know, here now instead of having to drive two or three hours to, to go work on my car. So, uh, but now we, like I said, if, if we had a grade on it, I'd say a B hell we won races and we, and we did good. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I would think that it was probably a pretty good, pretty good deal for you there at the time, but man, I don't think you could have forecasted what was to come, you know, with this 2020 season for sure. No, it was a it was a, a tough decision there because, um, I mean, really rides nowadays is uh, really hard to find, um, hard to find crew help and and to get everything uh, lined out. So to leave knowing that I had that, you know, I have a ride, I have a crew, uh, you know, I have the funding to do it all uh, to go to a another team where I really didn't know what to expect or how everything was going to go. Is I, I thought long and hard about it, but. Um, you know, going back now, I think it was the right decision and, and, uh, just want to keep it rolling. Yeah, man, you've stepped up to a whole different level this year. You're one of the top three drivers in the country. Just go ahead and compare your current situation with David and Eric Wells to your past rides and what has allowed you to take it up a notch. Uh, more of anything, I think, you know, uh, not that you got anything to prove, but when you, when all the, all, everything's kind of revolved around you. You either got to make it or, or, you know, you fail. And I think for me to, 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 to leave a team like Joey and them and then to go out there and fail was like, not a, not an option. You know what I'm saying? So I worked really hard to, to make sure that I didn't fail to do the best that I could. And, and, and like I said, it's not really proving anything, but you kind of got that little chip on your shoulder. Like you can't, you can't lose. Like you've got to do good. You've got to make sure everything's right. So, uh, you know that and then you know david and eric they they i've never driven for a lot of people that that just tell you listen if if this makes you feel comfortable if this is what you think you need let's work toward getting that you know um so they've kind of put their faith in me to to make all the decisions and and i think i you know obviously i'm more comfortable with what i'm doing if i think it's the right way so uh you know that's definitely been a plus and and they don't put any pressure on me. Like they don't. If if we go and then I and I win, when I talk to Dave or Eric at the end of the night, if if we have that same conversation, if I go out there and run tenth, you know, uh, they they know how it is. They've raced a long time. They know I'm not going to win every race, and uh, no matter what. So uh, just don't have no pressure on me. And I go out there and I race, and I'm and I'm having fun. I the first conversation I had with him when I started talking, I said, "Dude, this ain't fun no more." You know, I wanna. I want to have fun. I want to race. I want to show everybody what I can do. I just, you know, I need somebody to help me. And, uh, so like I said, I think it's, it's been good for me. It's been good for him. And, you know, uh, obviously Eric's selling race cars on that side of it. Um, we can bounce stuff back and forth and, and it just works out for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like you're really involved with, uh, making the calls on the setup each night. And I know you watch the track a lot and watch it change. And, you know, that's, that's really a good, that's a, a very important trait if you're going to be successful in the sport of dirt late model racing. Yeah, you kind of got to. Um, I guess that's probably what makes me harder to work with than most people that I've done it so long, you know, with me making all the calls that 
if I'm thinking one thing and somebody else is thinking the other, I'm just like, what the hell? Well, why would we do that? Or, you know what I mean? It just puts a lot of like doubt, like, well, I, this is what I would do. If nobody was with me, this is what I would do, you know? So uh, right or wrong, that's what, that's the decisions we make. And if sometimes they pay off and sometimes they don't, uh, we just take it day by day and, and, and do the best we can. Yeah. A lot of times they've paid off this year though, for sure. I got, I got an email the other day as I do every day from speed sport and it's, it's always just telling you the news and the whole world of motorsports. And, you know, you've been on it quite a few times this year, but notably last week, the speed sport power rankings came out and on those power rankings, it was number one was Lewis Hamilton. Number two was Brandon Overton and number three was Brandon Shepard. And then there was other dirt late model drivers mixed in too. But to me, that's huge. I mean, your name's right there behind an F1 driver, and we're just little old, you know, redneck hillbilly dirt late model racing. What do you think about that? Oh, man, it's cool. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we all want. You know, that's what you want. That's what all the guys that come in the stands, you know, pay their 20 bucks to get in the stands and watch. We, They want it to go to that level, you know, so for everybody to, to know who we are and stuff like that. And that's what I hell, that's why we all race, you know. Uh, we want to be Lewis Hamilton there or whoever, you know, uh, so I, it's cool. Yeah, we just need to get you guys to cash in the same kind of paychecks as him, you know. That's Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, you can do it. Um, uh, it would be nice to, to obviously to make the same thing then guys do, but uh, hell, who's to say in the next 10 years we, we don't make that, you know? So, uh, you know, as a whole sport, that's what everybody's working toward. And, um, you know, a couple of the series are, are doing a good job at, at up in the purses this year. So, uh, you know, it's something to look forward to. Yeah, I definitely really do agree that this sport is really on a path to being – you know, right, right there with the big, you know, the big name sports and it's, uh, you know, it's going to, who knows, like you said, who knows where it'll be in 10 years, but I, I really do think that there's some big things coming in this sport of dirt late model racing. And I hope so, because it's probably, it's really my favorite sport. Um, I was talking to Devin Moran earlier this year at Florence, Kentucky, and we were standing there and I just told him, I said, man, I said, you guys are just lucky to get to do what you do for a living, go up and down the road and race. I said, man, I, you know, I have to take a day off and, you know, plan to get there and everything, but man, you guys are doing it. You guys are living the dream and you don't even really realize it. And I told him that, and I, you know, I'm telling you the same thing right now, because I mean, I, this sport really is, I mean, and it's humbling at the same time, but you know, you guys are, you know, you guys are living the dream though. Yeah. We, uh, hell, I, I think about it all the time. We take it for granted. Like I could have a, I could have a regular job, you know, and, uh, ever since I was a little kid, all I want to do is race. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do, you know, so uh, just thankful for that. Like I said, we don't make as much as Lewis Hamilton, but I still <laughs> race for a living. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? And it's, it's done me good. Uh, so, uh, hell, we'll keep on going. Yeah. So you talk about, well, I just, I was wanted to ask you, you know, what's a, what's a typical day in the life of Brandon Overton look like during the week, getting ready to go race? Do you have a day job or is, is it pretty much just your job to work on that race car and get it dialed in for the next race? Yeah, that's all I've done. So, uh, hell, I've had one regular job my whole life, but uh, ever since then, it's just racing. Uh, obviously, Monday, you get up and you get everything out and we wash it. And, and Tuesday, we just see what all we got to get done for the next week. Uh, pretty much all I do is we work on these race cars and, and, and get ready to go to the next one. There ain't. You really work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you better be loading up. And Friday, we're usually gone. So, 
it you think we got all week to get them ready we really don't especially when you got two or three of them to to keep up um weeks go by fast yeah and for sure and the race at your level i mean you really have to commit that kind of time to go do it and be successful and it's paying off for you for sure yeah it takes uh it takes uh way more than me you know i got kent and steve that that work for me and and hell you could have i mean nowadays you you can have three full-time guys there all day long to be to be ready to go right you know there's probably there's probably five percent of the racers that go race that are 100 percent prepared every weekend you know um there's a lot of us that load up that we should have done this and should have done that but we just got to go ahead and go and, and we'll get to it when we can um that's kind of how we race because you can't you can't afford to pay the guys what they're worth to come to come work, you know. So uh, it's definitely challenging, but uh, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, we're racing for a living, and, and you just kind of got to make it work. Yeah, and you're talking about making Lewis Hamilton money. Well, this may not be Lewis Hamilton money, but I've kind of been looking at Eldor Speedway's Twitter, and it looks like they're hinting at running two dreams and two worlds next year. What do you think about that? Uh, I think I need to get a little better at Eldor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but well, I mean, you did win that race at the stream on that Friday night show. Yeah, we're all right on the prelims. Uh, we just haven't. Every time I've went over there this year to race, we kind of throw something at it for the feature, and it and it just hasn't been the right thing. But uh, we can definitely get in there with them, hot lap, qualify, heat race, and and we can run the the thirty lappers or twenty five lappers and and be fast. Uh, but it's a whole different ball game when you when you got to be there on lap ninety, you know. So uh, just got to get her dialed in over there for that. Yeah, I mean you got to be there on you got to be there on lap 100 really. <laughs> yeah, the track the the track is especially when it's uh you know like this time when they have a limited amount of cars the track doesn't doesn't slow down as bad as it would in the past, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't go through all those changes, so I don't know if I if I kind of jumped a gun and changed it. You know, one time I didn't do enough and the next time I went I went way too far, so uh just got to go back over there and see what we got when everybody else is there yeah i mean i think next year if everything's back to normal by then which i really have my fingers crossed that it will be uh we should be looking at over 100 cars for both of those shows and i don't they haven't announced that yet but i mean i'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen and you can count me in like i'll definitely have to make sure i'm on the property that week for sure for the dream and the world so we always enjoy going up there I'm sure it'll be you and however many other thousand people. Yeah, it'll probably be the biggest crowd. You probably won't even be able to get to the concession stand, probably. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, uh, you, act, I was going to mention this too. It kind of, kind of skipped over it earlier, but you are the 2020 Ray Cook Seller Nationals Schaefer's Oil Champion. And I got to go to a couple of those races and just a lot of races I went to this year. You were there and you would pretty much win a lot of the races I actually attended. So, you, uh, you cleaned house on that tour pretty much. Uh, um, that's a good deal, really. Like, yeah. Ray takes us to a bunch of, you know, the, all the tracks aren't the same. I mean, obviously, the ones around my area are close. But, uh, you know, you get to go to Bulls Gap and you go to Whitfield and you go you, just, you go to a lot of different tracks. So, uh, I enjoy doing it. It kind of, that's kind of what I set my end of the year on. If I can go run Ray's deal and I, and I got my car clicking and I can win and, and beat page at Sonoma or beat you know whoever with Phil. if I can beat the guys that are really good at those places then I feel confident in, in going on into the end of the year you know uh, with my adjustment wise and stuff I kind of use that as a test you know uh, most of the time when we leave Rays and I've done good and won some races hell I can go line up 
any time with Lucas and the Outlaw guys. So uh, it's good for me. I love doing it. Well, you know, you mentioned that that's one of your favorite one of your favorite series to run each year. Well, what do we have to look forward to for your 2021 calendar? Have you put anything together to run a full national tour or anything like that? We haven't yet. Um, we don't. I, we're just gonna do what makes sense. You know, uh, yeah. if we go to speed weeks and and we're we'll win a couple races or whatever, or we're doing good in the points, we might hang with it for a while. But if we're not, we're gonna we're gonna sit down and if they're paying money, that's where we're gonna go. Whatever makes the most sense. Well, Brandon, I had Ross Bells on the show last week, and Ross was uh, pretty upset about losing the Blue Gray One Hundred like he did, blowing that tire. And I had to remind him that at the Grassy Smith Memorial Race back in June that. You were the one that blew a tire on the last lap, and he drove around you and won the race. I kind of had to tell him, you know, it works both ways sometimes. And, you know, I wanted to hear what you have to think about that. Oh, that's how it is. That's just racing. Um, Definitely, like I said, I've already thought about that. You know, uh, that's why I try not to get too upset. Um, You know, that was $10,000 I lost coming to the the checkered. Uh, You know, it sucks, but... Me and Ross is a car owner there, and Ross, you know, we're all good buddies, and, and me and Big Frog talk all the time, and so if anybody's going to win, you know, I was glad, glad he got it, but, uh, you know, I guess that's, I don't know how you say it, is that being a good sportsman or whatever about it, then it just, you know, comes back around, like I said, they blow out, and, and uh, you know, I drive by them and, and, and get 10 back, so, uh, <laughs> you know, cool deal. Yeah, I always say nothing lasts forever, and those Hoosier tires are definitely at the top of that list. Yeah, that, that really that probably made is why my decision to pit was so easy. I said, "Hell, I couldn't make it 50 here at the Lucas race. Uh, you know, 49. Hell, I know I ain't gonna make it 100. Might as well just come in and get some more. So, uh, you know, you never know. Next year, that thing might be flooded out, and you can go all 100. Uh, you know, just a little bit of track probably would have what made them go 100. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Every every race we go to, it'll throw another curveball up, and, and and have to try to figure out how to win some other way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was looking at your website yesterday, and it says your most memorable moment was winning the Hillbilly 100, 50,000 to win. That was pretty big that year, wasn't it? Yeah, that was pretty cool. We uh, we went up there and, and and didn't expect to – you know, I love going to Tyler County anyway. I almost won my first uh, Word Outlaw race there, like two nights in a row. I led till like two or three to go, and Josh passed me both nights to win. Uh, so I loved going up there, but we went up there and just said, Hey, we're just going to race, see what we got. And, and we did good. And we started like 11th or 12th. So I really wasn't even, really wasn't even thinking about winning. And then, uh, Hey, we drove right by everybody and, and got it done. Uh, got back to the trailer and the generator had caught on fire and burned up everything. So we couldn't, uh, couldn't load up. We had to ride all the way home in the damn heat. So, uh, I mean, kind of funny, but wow. yeah, uh, we had 50 grand in the truck. So whatever. Yeah, that's one of those, uh, that's that's racing stories. Yep. Yep, so. Well, man, what el- what else do you like to do other than racing? Like, what are your hobbies oh. outside of racing? Because, I mean, it's just racing is all you do, it sounds like. Man, I'm honestly pretty boring. <laughs> like, uh, honestly, when I'm not racing, I just try to, you know, go hang out with my fiance and, and my family. And when I go hang out with my family, my family's pretty involved in racing. So I end up at Modoc or... or Dublin or somewhere a couple hours from the house helping my little brothers and, um you know really pretty much we my whole family kind of revolves around racing you know uh, we do do other stuff like I, I we go to the lake and you know I like hanging out on the lake and boating and um 
besides that, man, ain't too exciting. Yeah, I hear you. Where are you living at nowadays? Are you back down there and around Augusta? Yeah, I live in Evans. Well, I live in, I guess you call Augusta right now. We're actually building a house that it's going to be in Evans. Uh, we should be done with that thing for too long. Um, you know, so we've got, got a house going on right now we're trying to build, and we're actually about to build us a shop. So uh, we got the land cleared on that today. We just went and set all that up. So we got a lot coming up. We just, uh, you know, we got a couple months here to start getting everything in place before we get to racing again. So pretty busy. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's good to hear, man. I I think that you, uh, I read a couple of years ago that you moved out to Tennessee to be closer to let Randy Weaver ride out there in Crossville or something, right? No, I never moved. I just drive. Yeah, I used to drive okay. five and a half hours. Yeah. yeah then, um, luckily, like I said, luckily Randy had Josh and Pearl and Vinny. He had three guys there. Hell, I was more for moral support. Just come hang out with them. And, there you go. You know, uh, just be around them a little bit. And, um, you know, he, like I said, just five and a half hours is kind of hard. If I go up there on a Monday, you know, I just stay that week and go race with them and, and you know, just kind of juggle it like that. I hear you. One more thing I almost glossed over and forgot, but I'd be crazy not to bring it up is, you know, your weekend at Cedar Lake back in August, you dominated up there and won the USA nationals one every night. Yeah, that was, uh, like that was probably our highlight of this year. Um, yeah. another one of those deals where we go up there and just thinking, uh, just thinking we're going to go and race and learn a little bit and come back next year. And hell, we was, we was fast right off the trailer. Um, you know, we won the first night and uh, held Jimmy off. And then the next night, um, I forgot who, who run second. I think Eckert did not run the second, but pretty crazy race. Uh, you know, another, uh, you know, I'd say that's a crown jewel. It's been around for, you know, forever and, and good paying race. And probably the coolest driver intro you can go to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the fans are crazy. Hell, they're, well, after that first night we won, I, I was getting scared. I said, damn, I'm going to run out of T-shirts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I enjoy going to different places. Those people don't get to see us often. So, uh, it's kind of refreshing, you know, everybody comes around and talks and hangs out. So, you know, another, another special one. Yeah. Ross mentioned that, how cool that was at the uh, driver intros that they do up at Cedar Lake. But that, I think that deal kind of got, kind of got forgotten about really because of what happened on the track that night was Herb and Pierce, but they seem like they've made, <laughs> made amends since then, but that was kind of wild. Did you get to see any of that? Yeah, I stopped. Seat? I parked. Yeah, I stopped and parked. I thought Tyler was probably going to hit him a lot harder than he did. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. Hell, it, it is what it is. Just two guys are really passionate about racing, you know. Um, hell, everybody loses their temper every now and then. You know, it sucks. You know what happened to Kitty, but I'm, I'm sure Tyler didn't mean anything by that. You know, anybody that talks to Tyler knows he's a good dude. Hell, I've been so mad at him. I want to strangle him sometime, but. He really, he's one of my friends and, and, you know, like Bobby, hell, he's, he gives it all hundred percent every time he's on the racetrack. So, uh, you know, like I said, sometimes they'll run into each other and tempers are going to flare, but that's what, uh, that's what brings everybody back next week. Oh yeah, man. And, and, and you talk about the next week there, we went to uh, Florence for the North South 100. We went up there and, you know, anytime those two got close to each other on the track, I believe everybody had their eyes on them thinking something was going to happen and it didn't. So so yeah i mean yeah. exactly it, it definitely was i thought it was good for the sport but yeah i do hate what happened to kenny and all but but that whole deal kind of kind of uh kept the attention off of you winning that race so i'm just bringing it to everybody's attention again that yeah you won that race and i almost forgot about it to be honest with you yeah hell i 
Maybe, yeah. I mean, I seen I seen all the stuff, but like I said, <laughs> I, I didn't forget about it. That's a damn. That's a good payday, and that's oh, yeah. uh, you know, not many people. You know, I mean, it's hell. It's hard to win those races, so uh, it'll. I'll never forget about it, but I always do remember the time I won it. Tyler and Bobby was crashing each other, so that's exactly right. Maybe you'll go back and win that thing again next year. And they they give you a pretty cool trophy on that race too. With those eagles on it. Oh uh, yeah, I got it. Is that one of your top favorite trophies that you've got in your collection? It is. Uh, I definitely, um, I seen that thing sitting up there all week. They got it kind of sitting on Victory Lane. I, I was like, damn, that'd be cool to have at your house. Yeah. You know, uh, I got some, I, I've won some pretty cool trophies. The Lernerville trophy's cool too. You know, that thing's, it looks like it's made out of aluminum, but it's not. That thing weighs 40 pounds. Uh, so that's a cool one. Uh, I got the cotton picking trophy. Hell, there, I got a lot of cool ones. Uh, the Eagle definitely ranks right up there with them now. Yeah, that's cool. Where do you keep all of them? I guess at that new shop, you'll probably build you a trophy room a lot like Billy Moyer, huh? I don't know about that. I I, I don't know. I just I hang them on the shelf or something. Put them on the shelf. There you I go. actually got the, the, the nicer ones. Kind of, I just put them in my spare bedroom in my house. Uh, well, I don't know. I go, go in there every now and then and check them out. That's cool. Well, what do you, are you going to run that race at Volunteer Speedway this weekend, the Extreme Dirt Car Series? No, I think we're done. We're uh, okay. we're going to regroup and, and be back, uh, you know, either Volusia or Brunswick at the beginning of the year. I got you. Well, I, I was going to say I was looking forward to going out there. I, I think I'm going to go out there and watch that race, and I was going to say we'll see you there. But. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a good show. Uh, uh, like I said, it's just, man, we need a break. We about race all, you know, especially when we when we got back going, we raced every single weekend. So, hell, I'm going to take a little breather and let the boys rest and, and get all this stuff in order for next year. Sounds good, Brandon. Well, man, I really do appreciate you coming on the show today, and hopefully everybody enjoys listening to this, and we'll have to do it again sometime. And I'll see you at the first of the year at one of those races, I, I hope. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. Another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast is in the books for this week, but before we go, I want to steer you to my social media channels. At Forward Bike on Twitter, that's bite with a one instead of an I, and facebook forward bike podcast and instagram forward bike podcast stay tuned to those to see what's coming up on next week's episode i'm kyle armstrong we'll see you next week on the speed sport podcast network